This is a medicinal mass network production. Enjoy. What's up, Truth Seekers? Welcome back to the FBI Basement, a podcast where we watch and review every episode of the hit sci-fi TV series, The X-Files, because it was all foretold by the stupendous Yappy. Today on the pod, we review a personal favorite of many fans, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. I'm Todd, and I'm joined today by our usual panel of kooks, wackos, and conspiracy theorists. First off, my lovely wife, self-published author and palm reader, Shannon. I, I don't know how to read palms. Wait, you mean like leaves? Palm fronds. Yeah, I can read palm fronds. Also, our resident artist, professional frightener, and Ouija expert, the oddite delight, Marissa. You know, there are worse ways to go, but I can't think of a more undignified one than an autoerotic asphyxiation. Also, she's going to sing Ouija board, Ouija board for me later by the Smiths. No, I am not. Damn it! And finally, our producer, the prophet of the Medicinal Mass Network, Valentine. Yeah, I, I don't know why I do the things that I do. I just know that I do them. Can you tell me why I do them? <laughs> because you're a podcast producer. Uh, and a maniac. <laughs> and how's everybody doing today? Uh, I have missed each and every one of you, except you. Specifically you. <laughs> I'm fucking so, fantastic. I'm just saying, yeah, we, we took a little bit of a hiatus. We haven't a pod, little bit of a hiatus. We haven't pod faded or anything like that, but uh, things we, are better We did now. not get banned. We're around. We There's promise. for it? Yeah, it's called pod fading. Uh, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Now, each and every episode of the FBI Basement is brought to you free at the point of service, because honestly, we love doing it. But if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, you can support us through our Patreon, which you can find at our URL, medicinalmass.com. A donation of as little as $1 will get you access to all sorts of extra audio and video goodies and uh, access to our Discord server, where uh, you can uh, see us making the audio sausage and, and posting some really dank memes. In fact, Wait. I think I'm going to make Alex our meme lord. Alex, you are now meme lord. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 you're welcome. If you're short on cash, it costs absolutely nothing to rate and review us on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice or share us with your friends and family or your enemies. And as always, though, your listenership is enough. Uh, getting that out of the way. So let's uh, talk about this episode, huh? Uh, okay. This is the, uh, the fourth episode of the third season, originally aired on October 13th, 1995, directed by David Nutter. <laughs> Everyone, let's laugh. Let's laugh at David Nutter's unfortunate name. That's yeah. that guy with that name. And uh, the second of three episodes written by Darren Morgan. Okay. All right. Uh, the first one was uh, Humbug, and that was a really good episode. Uh, the third one's coming later this season. It's probably my favorite of the three. Which one is that? Uh, Jose Chunks from Outer Space. Oh. Yes! Yes, yes. Okay, and now this episode also features probably the most recognizable guest star yet, uh, the late, great Peter Boyle. Oh, I thought it was going to be Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, no, it's Peter Boyle. Uh, you may remember him as the monster from Young Frankenstein. Uh, as a... Uh, the father from Everyone Loves Raymond. Yeah, it's not everybody loved Raymond. I though. tolerated Raymond. I really. Did. I, I, for one, did not care for him. Uh, and 
And uh, I think he was on the commission, right? Yes. I think he was the commission. Question? No, that was Michael Chiklis. <laughs> oh, wait. Chiklis. Oh, Michael Chiklis was on the shield. He was also on the commission, Todd. Oh. oh, my God. Why are we having this fight? Motherfucker looks like the thing. What is he? Uh, he was also in Taxi Driver. Oh, okay. Well, Peter uh, Boyle was not Peter Michael Boyle, Chiklis. not not Michael Chiklis. No, uh, Peter Boyle was also in Taxi Driver and one of my favorite Robert Redford movies, uh, The Candidate. Yeah, yeah, he was the campaign manager in that one, which is one of my favorite movies. All right, uh, so yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, it deals with uh, the use of psychic investigators and in murders, uh, which is something that was. It was something that was you saw often uh, in the '90s, especially. I think is this the period of time that we're getting into, like where you get all those psychics on places like Montel and like the rise of John Edwards. And... I, I used to, I, I distinctly remember hearing Robert Stack tell me about it on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, I mean, it, you get this a lot, and especially like in Unsolved Weird Crimes, uh, where psychics will just show up out of nowhere. To help out with a cold case. With help out with a cold case or a missing child. I think I distinctly have this weird memory in the 90s of Sylvia Brown saying, no, this person is dead. But it was like one of the girls that was kidnapped by that dude in Ohio. Like it was the first one who went missing. It's like, no, she's dead. And it, she wasn't like she like they found her many years later. Yeah. I think that this show is going to deal with the, the, the efficacy of psychic investigators. Are, is it? I think it will. Is uh, it? In a sort of weird way. Uh, will it? I'm going to have to shut up because I got family members who <laughs> are in the trade. And they're not necessarily uh, like, like charlatan about it, but I have my opinions and it's not really against them. <laughs> okay. Uh... Are they outwardly? charlatan behind closed doors or or is it no they're just it, it's more of a grief counseling with a spiritual nature to it and just i think she honestly ah fuck i shouldn't talk about it <laughs> i really i think she believes i guess it's my right to, to have my opinion that i just think that she really believes it but well we just uh we'll never be able to get this personal listen to this uh podcast oh, God. <laughs> Well, she's not like showing up like Miss Cleo on late night TV. Call me now for your free reading. She's very sweet, so. No, I think think there's something to be said about that, but that's really neither here nor there. The teaser starts in St. Paul, Minnesota, which I think is, uh, that's, isn't that Valentine country, man? Uh, what's that? Is that like around here, man? (laughs) Yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota. And Clyde Bruckman is a sad-looking middle-aged fellow. Uh, he's reading the predictions from the stupendous yappy on the front page of the Midnight Inquisitor on display at a liquor store. <sighs> this is like what my dad does when he goes to the grocery store. Now, once again, I'm going to bemoan the state of modern tabloids. It's all about Kardashians and the royal family now. I want to see the weird stuff. I want to see the incredible Bat Boy has enlisted in the army or something like that. It should be noted that when Todd had a radio show at our, our prestigious college that I graduated from, and he quietly parted ways, uh, his mascot was Bat Boy. Yes, I use Bat Boy as a mascot for the two hours that I pretend for the two hours in each week that I pretended to be Doctor Demento. <laughs> uh, okay, so and 
he's pretty dismissive of most of the claims. There's stuff about, you know, Madonna and Kato Kalin getting together. and Which actually like. may have happened briefly, because Madonna. And, uh... Something else, and then uh, he sort of takes a he sort of sticks on one uh, regarding Buddy Holly returning from his fake death to reunite with the crickets and to headline Lollapalooza. But she doesn't even know what it is, what Lollapalooza is. What's a Lollapalooza? I think this is the period of time where like Fox is name dropping Lollapalooza like five different places, uh, like because it shows up repeatedly in The Simpsons at this point, too. He buys a copy of the paper along with a lotto ticket and a bottle of scotch from the very bored-looking clerk. And on his way out, he runs into a younger fellow with a wide eyes and curly hair who's on his way to see a palm reader next to the liquor store because you can really gauge the legitimacy of professional psychic by their proximity to hard liquor. <laughs> I would like to point out that when you and I went on our date, we passed no fewer than three palmistries between like the restaurant and the movie theater. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was really excited. Like, for some reason, Abingdon, Virginia, is becoming like a mecca for psychics. I don't think it's quite as big as Asheville, though. No, no. Asheville, you can get your palm red in the same place you do your hot yoga, <laughs> and your dog can go with you because Asheville's a very friendly dog town. Uh, the curly-haired man is visiting Madame Selma to get insight and try and understand why he's going to do the things he's about to do. Seems he's caught a glimpse of his own future and was deeply troubled by what he saw. And he's describing his plight to the palmist. He's gripping her hands tight enough for her to panic and shed her affected Romanian accent. And when she protests, he can only chide her. You should have seen this coming. Before lunging over the table and throttling her in action, we see through the reflection of her crystal ball. Do the theme song. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? <laughs> okay. All right. That's all we're going to do. because I, I don't want to get sued by Mel Brooks. <laughs> we, don't have a, we don't have a strong legal fund. Check out our Patreon so we can get away with this more often. We uh, Okay, back from the opening theme credits. Uh, we are at the scene of a murder, though not the one we just witnessed. The body is missing, but the victim's eyes and entrails have been left behind. And the detectives at the scene are anticipating the arrival of a consultant who's a bit of a kook and spooky, but manages to get results. I like how they're... Recommended. I like how they're explaining it, and it's like the greatest setup for like what you will see in every weird procedural from this point forward, where they are bringing in the quote-unquote consultant. Mulder walks in, and uh, they're like, who the hell are you? Hey, we're, we're the FB, but FBI. Uh, turns out this is the latest in a series of professional prognosticator killings, and the particular victim uses tea leaves as her method of fortune-telling. Hmm. I, I think they mentioned the, the actual name for this. Did anybody know this one? Reading tea leaves? Yeah, I don't know about that. I think it's literally just called that. I uh, <laughs> no, there is a word for it. Oh God! Yeah, Mulder was Mulder was able to read them though. He said it said she was about to die, or was he just making a joke there? It's tassography. Tassography. Okay. Yes. Tassography. 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 Divination. Say, say it. All, say it all together now. Tassography. tassography. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. 
I, I it's a French word, but it also comes from Arabic, which means tasa, which is, yeah. Yeah, he also brings up another method of divination that might have been a clue as to why the entrails were spilled. The belief that you could, I think they call, guys, they, I think they would call them augers, would, would, would dismember, in some cases, humans, but I think mostly animals, and uh, divine the future based on where the guts fell. Sounds like runes, too. Yeah. Throwing rune rocks. Roll the bones. Uh, you mean auspects? Auraspects? Auras? Uh, I don't know. Of course, Scully hands over a full psych profile of the killer, and um, uh, they start ar- and they're starting to investigate the scene when the consultant finally arrives, uh, accompanied by an entourage of cameramen, reporters, and I think one lovely assistant. Janet? Was it Janet? <laughs> it was she Janet. Commercial too later on. Yeah, that is uh, right. <laughs> it is the stupendous Yappy and his amazing eyebrows. I love his eyebrows. Okay, uh, you were telling me that Yappy was played by the guy who was Mulder's uh, stand-in? Uh, yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, he was. Uh, and I believe he was also Mitch Pelegi's best man when he married uh, his wife who is actually was Jillian Anderson's stand-in. Oh, well. <laughs> and I think he was also there when he, uh, when David, I believe he was also David Duchovny's best man when he married Tay Leone. So you know what? He, he was not doing, well, okay, so 50-50. Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty good gig to get if you, if you can, you know, be vaguely shaped like David Duchovny. Well, and the reason that we had this argument is, yeah, it, it it's sort of a joke that they call him the stupendous yappy because his name is like Jacques Brocaille. And you and I had this argument because you thought he was the guy who played Peterman in Seinfeld. Because our job on this podcast is not so much to review the X-Files, but for me to be like, hey, you remember this show from the 90s that's not the X-Files? Boy, wasn't that a good show. <laughs> so... Yaffe sets about immediately and theatrically describing the visions of the crime in progress. He talks about... Uh, He's also dead, but... Uh, he taught... He, he, he... <laughs> Thank you for just making my life. Really? He was also dead. <laughs> well, uh, God, re- pour some out for him. What, tea? Do you want me to pour some tea out for him? <laughs> And then read the leaves. Okay. Uh, he, he's theatrically describing this crime. He says that he had her down on the floor and he was raping her, but he could not perform. And he takes his thing. He's saying that the man feels out of control of his life. He's a white man, age 17 to 34. And he has facial hair. Or he doesn't. He has a tattoo that may have facial hair. Uh <laughs> Suddenly, I like how absolutely ridiculous this is. Suddenly he stops losing the vision. And he fe- because he feels that there is negative energy in the room and that someone is a dirty, dirty skeptic. And Scully's like, what? Me? No. He marches no. towards Scully and then turns his head, cocks his eyebrow up <laughs> and, sa- and asks Mulder to leave the room. I've been trying to learn how to do that with my eyebrows for years. I can only do one. I am not able to do that at all. 
my eyebrows are too perfectly shaped naturally. <sighs> They're so beautiful. <laughs> I can't help it. You can take my caterpillars. No, thank you. <laughs> well, Mulder actually insists that he uh, believes in psychic ability. Um, uh, Yappy still asks him to leave, which the detectives sort of back him up. So he steps out of the steps out in the um, uh, hallway, and a few moments later, we hear a round of applause as Yappy leaves and exchanges some terse words with Mulder at the, as he goes. <laughs> yes, you really skeptics <laughs> like you make me sick. <laughs> hey, we're I want to know what he thought towards him. Probably just like thought the word apple or something or Bigfoot porn or taco cat. Taco cat. Like that's like seriously, clear your mind. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Taco cat. Yes. Every time. Anytime that someone says that to me, it's like the first thing that goes into my brain. Taco cat. I always remember the Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> oh my god. Taco cat is taco cat backwards. Yeah, the, exactly. Our consult <laughs> our consultant said told told me that. You're not allowed to tell me things anymore now, all right? Did you just fire Alex? Oh my god, looking at the chat, what's happening right now? <laughs> and by the way, that's exactly why I think of Taco Cat, because Taco Cat is the same backwards as forwards. It's a palindrome, you fuck. So Taco Cat and boob? Uh, yes. Mulder re-enters the room, and uh, <laughs> for once, both he and Scully are on the doubting side of this uh, of Yappy's abilities. <laughs> Uh, saying that his predictions and divinations are so vague as to be completely useless. Uh, like most divination. Divin I don't know. Divination. <gasps> How am I sober and not being able to pronounce words? <laughs> the, co the cops, however, were really impressed by Yappy's theatrics, and uh, apparently one of them had their pen bent with Yappy's mind. And uh, they say that Yappy has given them more uh, more concrete evidence to go than Mulder and Scully have so far. Well, but Apparently. that's because they have to, of course, also do the same thing that every other law enforcement agency in this universe is, which is fucking hate Mulder and Scully and just be like, we don't need your kind here, but we're but they're the FBI and this is a serial killer. The, the the fun thing is, uh, I love the, I love the, the the line after this, which is like, if you'll excuse me, I have to put an APB APB out for a white male with or without facial hair, who is impotent. Who is impotent. 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 <laughs> so Be like, on the lookout. Uh, I, I think there was also some kind of like a lot of cops really doubt the whole psych profile stuff. Ah. Like there was a line like, "Great, all I gotta find is a white dude that hates his mother." Yeah, I mean, we are talking about what this is what ninety six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still looking at behavioral science being pretty much. I mean, it's it's done fairly well at this point. I mean, you you get Bundy, you get the um, Atlanta child murderer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have John Douglas who does the BAU stuff. Um. And yeah, so it's still kind of in its infancy, but it's not like, ooh, this is right, kind of thing. Okay. I think it's because most of the cops are like, shit, this profile fits me. I hate my mom, that fucking bitch. <laughs> I think uh, we all at some point hate our mothers, though. That's, that's yes. un not uncommon. <laughs> uh, we rejoin Clyde. Uh, 
as he's trying to sell life insurance policy to a young couple, which kind of blows when he gives a weirdly specific accounting of his potential clients to death two years from now at the hands of a drunk driver. <laughs> I got fucking goosebumps when he says, he says, when you, what do you say? You, you'll look, you're going to be looking worse than the 50 feet of road you slide across. Yeah. Jesus. And this is, by the way, why uh, Peter Boyle won an Emmy for this this role. Um, well, it's like he's got a real dark humor to him, right? It's sort of like it, 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 he's saying horrible things, but saying them in a really funny way. Yeah, it's the delivery. Yeah. I got nothing else. Please continue. <sighs> Returning to his apartment building, he stops to take trash out for his apparently senile neighbor and gets a quick flash of her Pomeranian munching on her corpse. Which he reacts in disgust to. I think she also gives him the lighter that comes in. Yeah, it's your trip. No, I don't want lighter trash. Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing about cats and dogs, man. The the cats, they always go for the face first. So I would like to speak to a dog about that scene. Dog, what do you think? Our dog doesn't think anything. He's a dog. Hey, meow, meows. Come here. I gotta ask you something. (laughs) You're going to eat Val when he dies. <laughs> Who's going to oh, eat Val alive? Well, that's the thing is, it, it's your face has got the softest meats on it, and it's the most, you know, yeah, readily all, yeah. exposed usually because there's clothing on it. Once it yeah, gets that's... that nice putrid rotted part, then it really dig in. It's yeah, that's that's do. where animals go is the soft tissue, the eyes, the mouth, the face, uh, and your anus. As uh, he takes the garbage out, he stops after lifting the second lid and mutters, Oh, God. Turns out he stumbled upon the dump site from Adosella. (sighs) Questioned by the agents, Bruckman seems to know some details that haven't yet been made public yet. and And also he knows that the eyes have been cut out despite the body being face down when he found it. And that the eyes have been removed with shards of a crystal ball. Which all seems very odd. Oddly enough, that that would kind of paint you as a suspect, but Mulder has a different idea, right? Because it's Mulder. On a hunch that he may have legitimate psychic insight, Mulder takes Clyde to the tea leaf reader's place. Hassiographer's place. Oh, is this where we get into the horrible dolls? Uh... Which are creepy, and then you get to the death doll, and it's like, that's not even creepier than any of everything else here. This is why I hate your mom's house. Uh, the uh, in, uh, Clyde is initially confused as to what he's ex- what's expected of him here. Until he goes and um, uh, finds a... Until he takes a look at the blood splatter on the uh, lacy... Uh, on the lacy tablecloth where the tea reading was done. Which uh, immediately causes him to run to the bathroom and blow chunks. I feel you there. Yeah, we've all been that way. I, like I said, this is why I hate going to your parents' house because of the creepy ass dolls your mom collects. This is my reaction every time. Uh, as he emerges, he begins to describe the crime, and it's not too different from Yappy's own visions, but more specific. Yeah, he, he, yes, he doesn't feel like he's in control of his actions, but who does, but this guy really believes he's a puppet of something greater. Is he Hitler? Does he believe he's Hitler? Like Yappy, he also says that there, it says there was sex happening in that apartment, but it wasn't rape. It was consensual. She's instigated. Well, that's a, 
Well, what's the, what was the part with that? Because they never really went deeper into that. Did he, I don't remember him having sex with her. Well, he, no, because this is a different. This is a different. This is murder. not. This is not the. Uh, this wasn't the murder oh, from okay. the teaser. Because the murder from the teaser was the palm reader. This is the... yeah, I know it gets really hard to follow because it gets a little weird in spots. Okay, that I thought that they were at the same place as the palm reader that got murdered. No, no, it's it it gets they, really, yeah they did not yeah, make it very clear. Yeah, it's really hard to follow that at spots. Yes, the transcript right now and it goes Clyde. He's having sex with her there. Scully is he raping her? Clyde. Oh no no not at all. In fact, she's instigating the whole thing. And then Mulder, well, then what's wrong? Oh, uh, the last... Yeah, because he's talking about the last time he got laid. There's a, uh, seems like everyone's having sex except for me. <laughs> Tom yeah, gets points for his... Uh, pure... All right. Oh, it's so true, though. Um, Scully asks about the killer's motive, but Clyde starts focusing on the doll collection in the room. Again, uh, this is why I hate going to your parents' house. Oh my I god. I know the dolls are creepy. Jeez. But he starts asking, why did she collect dolls? What per what events in her life led to her figuring out dolls? Hey, that's it. I read as it. He's as he's muttering about this, the um uh oh, sure, go ahead and read it, Marissa. What was it about her life? Was it one specific moment where she suddenly said, I know, dolls, or was it a whole series of things, starting when her parents first met, that somehow combined in such a way that in the end, she had no choice but to be a doll call? Cole? C-O-L-L-E? <laughs> You're bad at this, too. He cut off, oh, he got cut off. Co he got collect caught up by something. Collector? Yeah. He picks you up read that? Do, you, do you want to read that again? <laughs> <laughs> Just finish the word and we can... <laughs> no, because... We'll I, I kind of I did it right because he got he got uh, trailed off. Oh, well. he didn't trail off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he picks up yeah. the doll and gets grossed out. Oh, By that's right. Yeah, is a little. Uh, yeah, it's the yeah, death doll. Was, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, but, it was up with its face though. It was weird. Hold on, I, I'll, I'll I'll get to this in a second. But I think that I like the idea of like taking quotes that we like and reading them. And if you guys want to do that, that's a great addition to the pod. Right there. Oh, God, you don't want me doing this. <laughs> yeah, if you guys have quotes you want to throw in. No, Todd, you uh, don't want me doing this. When he talks about his own death dream shit. Because I'm going to do some of it. <laughs> you want to read the death dream one? I don't yes. want to. Okay. Oh, fine. Okay, Marissa wants to read the death dream. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, yeah, but by the by the way, yeah, if you guys want to look at a wiki quotes page and, and have some stuff you want to put in there. Oh, God, I can't wait to get to where the field where I died, then. I am going to do that thing up, motherfuckers. Who's going to do the field thing? The field where I died? You have no idea what you're about to get into, sir. You have not experienced oh, an idea of pain. Never mind, okay. Oh, my God. He stops in the mid. He stops in mid sentence as the camera pans to his point of view over a shelf of one of the dolls, and one of the dolls' faces is grotesquely deformed. He picks the doll and up and hauntingly predicts that the body will be found in Glendy Lake near the fat little white Nazi stormtrooper. Having seen enough death for one day, he leaves. Sure enough, the body is fished out of the lake as a crowd of onlookers watches, including the curly-haired murderer. Mulder, meanwhile, points at a propane tank uh, that even Scully must admit looks like a fat little white Nazi stormtrooper. 
even though she does sort of qualify that by saying, you know, given the suggestion of the image, you're bound to see it at anything. Any thoughts yeah. on this, guys? Uh, no. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Like, I, no, I mean, this is something that, that people talk about, especially when they talk about, like, collective paranormal craziness. Like, you know, you suggest that there's something out there you're going like if you are looking for something, you will see more of it. It's the red car theory. Yep. Like you're already suggested that you're probably going to see a fat little Nazi stormtrooper. There it is. There's that one that happens to everybody where you learn a new word and then you start seeing it everywhere. Or like when I dye yeah. my hair purple and like everyone in the world dyes their hair purple. The funniest Stop thing doing for me it. is the word the word was lexicon. Huh. Mulder comes back to Bruckman's place while Bruckman is listening to the um, uh, announcement of the lottery numbers for the ticket he bought earlier. And if you actually notice, the, all the numbers being read off are like just one number away from the number he picked. And he is clutching his head wondering why he does this. I think he Mulder. does it on purpose. Well, Mulder, we get a little bit of insight as Mulder comes in. And of course, he knows exactly what... Uh, Mulder wants him to do, and Clyde does admit, yeah, he's got the gift, and the only problem is he can't return it. <laughs> he, he feels powerless to stop the visions from coming to pass, which I think this is a reference to the myth of Cassandra, the uh, woman who uh, was given oracular ability when she promised to marry Apollo, but reneged after she got the gift. And so the curse was that she'd get accurate visions, but no one would believe her. So all of the disasters she predicted would come to pass. Oh, like the fall of Rome, the death of Hector, uh, the murder of Agamemnon. Um, Rise of reality TV. Rise of reality. Hammer pants. <laughs> Hammer pants. She also has one of the most brutal rapes in all of the Odyssey, apparently. Um, to the point where it's like Athena cries bitterly as she is raped in her temple. And that's going to be the um, uh, next YouTube video. Most brutal rapes in Greek mythology. <laughs> oh, do you want me to create a list? I'm actually doing it right now mentally. There are a lot of rapes in Greek mythology. There's a lot of rape in Greek mythology, yes. They were okay with it. Uh, how could I have seen it if it didn't already happen, he asks. Mulder asks if the, if the future is written, then why bother doing anything? To which Clyde responds, "Hell, you catch it on." See, he's not. See, he's sort of in this Cassandra position because he feels like if he has seen it, then it will happen. Or if he does change it, he could be adversely affecting things. <laughs> and in the end, he relents and agrees to help. Yeah. Hold on, I've got the quote here. I'm going to read this one. Well, you see, that's another reason I can't help catch this guy. I might adversely affect the fate of the future. I mean, his next victim might be the mother or the daughter whose son invents the time machine. When the son goes back in time and changes world history. Then Columbus never discovers America. Man never lands on the moon. U.S. never invades Grenada. I don't know why that's important. I should have fucking added this part because he pauses and I just skip the parentheses. (laughs) (laughs) Or something less significant. Or something less significant. Resulting in the fact that my father never met my mother and consequently, I'm never born. 
<laughs> and then he gets really excited about that idea. Like, that's why he helps. So when do we start? <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm not going to exist. Fuck yeah, let's go. Like, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> also, uh, this is what we would refer to as the butterfly effect, uh, in which changing a moment in history would then affect the course of time and space. Now, as a Marxist, and the idea of Hegel and thesis and antithesis means that this actually would not exist, though you would create a ripple and therefore multi-dimensions. Oh, God, she's going into a history oh, hole. <laughs> thank you, anyway. Uh, anyway, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, Mulder takes Clyde to the police station to have him get psychic impressions from evidence collected, which uh, may be accurate, but mostly non-useful. I really like the joke that is coming up here and the reference. Yeah, he manages to guess that a piece of fabric is actually a piece of Mulder's New York Knicks t-shirt. Why does he lie about this? Which he, um, uh, which he, he um, lies uh, to him because he, he used that to trip up Brad Dorf in the um, uh, yeah, like, the sea, right? We know that's his fucking shirt. Why does he do this? <laughs> this is the thing that He's makes me mad. mad about this episode. This one thing. Oh, did I? I scare you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, puppy. I love you. Don't show me your butt. He showed me his butt. Uh, Scully <laughs> brings in a keychain uh, found with the victim found on most of the victims so far, coming from an astrological investment firm called Uranus Unlimited. The FBI basement today is brought to you by Uranus Unlimited. You know, there are a lot of things that are up in these stores. Why shouldn't investing be one of those? Uranus Unlimited is the only financial planning company that gives you personalized financial forecasts based on your astrological sign. Our crack team of people who took that three-day seminar at the Ramada, you know, the one next to the airport, is here to guide you through the difficult paths of planning your hard-earned money's future by using star charts, your chakra alignment, time and relativity close to the proximity of the rise of Venus towards Uranus to cast your fortunes and a wide variety of options, such as MLMs, cryptocurrencies, giving it to that weird guy on the street, investing in things like 401ks that are not 100% insured, but it's okay, we know what we're doing. I mean, we've got the star charts. Now, whether you're planning for a home, saving for college, or trying to upgrade your crystal and or essential oil collection, because, you know, we know you don't vaccinate. No collection is too small for us to help you with your wealth in Uranus. That's Uranus Unlimited. The firm is owned by Claude Dukenfield, which Clyde immediately rattles off every detail of the man's life. Not from a psychic impression, though, because the guy sold him a policy a couple months ago. I like how they build the tension in the scene, where it's like, oh my god, that's correct. How did you know? <sighs> oh, I, I sold him a policy two months ago. You won't find him. Uh, Scully's been trying to find the owner of the firm, but Clyde says she won't, as he has already been murdered. Murdered. The agents go and go with Clyde into the woods to search for the body, and there's a bit of banter where Clyde offhandly mentions that um, uh, that Mulder is a sexual deviant and will probably die of autoerotic asphyxiation. 
Yeah, it's but it's the theme here of what you should learn about the X Files is Mulder is a sexual deviant. Well, they're searching for the <clears throat> And he's right, that is a, a horribly undignified way to go. He is correct. That's how David Carradine but Oh, too soon, man. Too soon. Maybe how do we know that he didn't want that to be the way he went out? Maybe he just wanted to get one final jack in and then he was cool with going out, you know? Or the ninjas or the Maybe. ninjas finally got him. I still think <laughs> that it was the five finger death punch. Maybe it was all three. I still believe that it was Uma Thurman. <laughs> and the five point exploding. Wait, it's the five the five point, point palm exploding, exploding palm exploding heart technique, yes. Yeah. Taught to her by Pine. Except right. for he did it to his dick. <laughs> Except it was in his pants. <laughs> the end. When they were walking through the woods, Mulder asked about the first death he managed to predict. He said it happened back in 1959, around the time Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper died in a plane crash on their way to a show that Clyde had tickets to. He was the bigger fan of the Big Bopper. And while he didn't predict the crash, he learned that Bopper won the seat on a plane from a coin toss. And his mind was blown by the sequence of events that could lead to that fateful flip. The more he thought about it, the more he could begin to see the specifics of everyone's death. Though Scully seems to doubt it, seeing as they can't seem to find the body. They do find it, though, buried under the muck that their car got stuck in when they parked. Also, I like how, like, fanboy Mulder is through this entire scene leading up to... I want to take a quick digression here, because actually... uh, Oh, God, no. If you've watched the uh anybody watched the show uh Tales from the Tour Bus? No. It's like it's on like pornos. Oh, it's on no. Cinemax and it's like the Mike it's the Mike Judge thing that where they where he animates. Oh yeah, no, it's a really from, great show. Yeah. You should watch it. Like the first season he did was on uh Outlaw Country and and uh he actually touches on the crash because it involves uh the man who was acting as Buddy Holly's bass player at the time he split from the crickets by this point uh it was uh, a young texan named Waylon Jennings uh, no one on this podcast except me knows who's, who's who that is <laughs> all right well anyway Waylon <laughs> was actually the Waylon was actually the guy that had that seat that was given up to the big bopper though according to the story told in country music lore uh he actually gave the seat to the big bopper because they were flying they were they were driving and flying through North Dakota in the middle of a nasty ass winter there were only like four seats on the plane and the rest of the band was traveling on in a bus that was kind of broken down and had no heat because the big bopper had the flu and Waylon wanted to help out a fellow Texan. He offered him the plane, the plane ride and he would go ahead and take the bus. Now the story goes at the end of the show, right before they were to leave, buddy Holly and uh, Waylon were eating hot dogs backstage. And buddy said, Hey, I heard you're afraid of flying. It's like, I'm not afraid of flying. I'm just, just doing a guy a favor. And says, well, I hope your bus breaks down. <laughs> Well, I hope your I hope your plane crashes. And for years, apparently, Waylon Jennings thought he did that. <laughs> Felt like he did it with his mind. But you know, I think that I still think the story stands. The idea of this, I kind of like how the how Clyde's psychic ability is framed as sort of an extrapolation of mm-hmm. as not like something necessarily supernatural, but kind of. I like how there was a 
there was a natural explanation for it, which could be investigated if they were to, like they're doing right there. They, they're actually like, how many hits did he actually get that weren't um, the other ones that were like fake, like vague bullshit? Like he actually spoke of different locations, walked to bodies, like. Yeah, it's it's but quantifiable it's, evidence in this episode. It, it sort of comes to the point where you're t- where you're thinking about the guy is maybe even subconsciously going through all of the different details of how this could work out and calculate it, could, which is a different explanation for psychic ability than I've seen in that I've seen in other shows. Interesting. That this all extrapolated from from an obsession with um, uh, the details of one of the fateful flip. Back at Clyde's place, Mulder uh, presents some kind of fibers found on the body of the last victim, matching some of the previous victims, uh, much to Shelley, much to Scully's exasperated annoyance. <laughs> it's the greatest read. I like that. I love this read. Don't you have a crime lab for stuff like this? Yes, we do. <laughs> she just gives Mulder a death stare. Oh my god, mommy is angry. I love the way Darren Morgan writes banter between Mulder and Scully. Oh my god, it's it, so good. He absolutely, she absolutely nails the, the, the kind of teasing sort of... Uh... She is so mad at him, it's <laughs> great. Yeah, she, you know, I was noticing how she really did take kind of a back uh, back seat for this episode. Until later. She's like, I, I, yeah, she's like <laughs> I'm not going to talk much, but I swear to God, if I don't get to use my gun... I'm going to shoot a motherfucker by the end of this episode is literally the expression on Scully's face through all of it. Clyde can provide no specifics about the fiber, but says that the killer himself believes himself to be psychic and that he can foresee himself killing Mulder in a kitchen while Mulder is distracted by a banana cream pie he stepped in. Or it was a coconut cream. <laughs> Typical or is Mulder. It, like... It's the derpiest thing I've ever seen. Like, he's, he's like building up this, this this moment where Mulder's going to be attacked and then he'll just completely go, or was it Lemon Meringue? Just going back to okay, the Okay, one, like, that's the derpiest way of being killed I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah. I don't know how many horror films and slasher movies I have sat through, but that is so derpy. Like, oh, I stepped in a pie. What is this shit? Turns out Clyde also got a letter from the killer with a cryptic and confused warning that when they meet Clyde, meet Clyde will be his next victim. <laughs> I know that you know that I like. Oh God! But not before you. But not before you answer some some questions, chief of which: Why am I sending you this letter? Like even the killer is aware that, that it's kind of fucked up that he's doing this. I have this compulsion. What the fuck? Agents move to get Clyde to a secure location, but Clyde can only say mournfully that he'll be dead before the killer is caught, no matter what. Our curly-haired killer meets with the tarot reader. Who you will recognize as the owner of the museum uh, and Humbug. Yeah. Yeah, it's Melty Face. It's Melty Face McMeltface. The mayor of Melttown. And, of course, he kills him after a, after a reading, which uh, is... A bit more accurate than the ones he's gotten before. So is la- it? Though the last card is the last card he turns over, according to according to uh, the killer, is not for him but for the reader. It's the death card. Ba ba ba, which is like the greatest bit of like fifties B movie schmaltz I've seen. Be funny if he told him it was his and he flips it over and it's like uh, it's like hearts or something like that. He's like, like uh, well, I, I'm gonna kill you anyways. 
how to read your tarot deck card. That would have been better. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, Scully is spending some quality time in the uh, hotel safe house that they're, they've got Clyde uh, holed up in. Is this where she's like discussing like Shakespeare with him? Like she is just like giving him her favorite highlights of like Shakespeare. And it's like, and that's when Hamlet gets to like turn over the body. Anyway, Macbeth, like, well, um, yeah. I think that he spe- she speaks about the idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy as, you know, done Macbeth. But the more important mm. thing going on in this scene is that, um, uh, they, they they have sort of a weird intimate moment where Clyde makes a prediction that he and Scully will end up in a bed together. She will hold his hand and look down on him with compassion as tears stream down his face. And Scully calls this one a big miss. There are hits and there are misses. Yeah. But uh, Clyde sort of smirks and says, I call him like I see him. Later on, they're playing cards during the ter- during the terror reader murder. And he's got like four aces in his hands, right? Is that what he has? I thought it was the dead man's hand. I could be wrong. He might have had the dead man's hand. I didn't. I, I don't know. As Mulder arrives, Scully can't resist but ask how she herself will die. Clyde gives the biggest smile we've seen in the episode as he replies, "You don't." <sighs> so, <laughs> so is this the start, if you will, of the uh, Scully is immortal fan theory, Marissa? Marissa. Marissa. It's so intentional. I, you know, I don't know. I really don't. A lot I, of the writing in the show is fly by the pants, it seems, but that seemed intentional. <laughs> like, it, we'll get into it when we get to it because it comes up much later after we go through some other, sh- like other bullshit uh, with this whole thing. But there is kind of people who will say this is the start of this weird fan theory that might have been, I believe it, confirmed by Chris Carter. I well, think the, I, I believe it. <laughs> to me, the, to me, this also the, the, this to speak to look at this scene in and of itself. I think it's one of the best character scenes for Clyde because the first time we've actually seen him, you know, really happy. I think that the, I think that spending a little quiet time with Scully was is just the best thing that's happening to him in the last few days. Probably in a, probably in a long time because the guy has been absolutely made miserable by his gift. <laughs> he, he and no matter who he sees, he knows how they're gonna die, and then he meets Scully, who apparently is not, and that's just gotta be such a relief. For him. Well, here's the thing: maybe we've been looking at this from the complete opposite spectrum. Maybe he's walking around causing these deaths, and when he finally sees Scully, he falls in love with her, and he can't cause her death subconsciously. So he kills it. Well, spoiler. <laughs> but maybe he's actually causing all of these. I think it's a little bit. I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't necessarily read that from the interpretation. More than I read that throughout this whole episode, he is very aware that he's going to die. I think that the, the why, why the oh God reaction when he first found the body was his realization that what he had seen for so long is coming. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Mulder takes over for the midnight shift and lets Scully know that the crime lab reports the fibers are found to be lace, which he ties through Chantilly Lace, the Big Bopper song. Uh, Scully offers up the possibility these are all coincidences, but Mulder asks if they are coincidences, then why do they seem so contrived? And what do you mean by laced? 
Lace. It's it's actual lace. <laughs> no, no, Mulder, Mulder's like laced with what? Because he's still looking for the drugs for season two, right? <laughs> like he's now sad that he's no longer on drugs. Uh, the night Mulder asks Clyde about prophetic dreams while he's munching on sunflower seeds in bed. And outright lies and says he's not a Freudian. He is such a Freudian! Oh my god, why is he constantly lying? And it turns out that Clyde only has one dream. He goes, I'm lying naked in a field of tulips. I'm not concerned with where I am or how I got there. I'm at peace and it's then that I realize I'm dead. My body begins to turn to a greenish white with spots of purple. Next, the insects arrive. The inevitable follows putridity and liqu- liquescence. Before I know, before I know it, I'm nothing but bones. When I start fading to dust, I lost whatever care I still might have had about where my clothes are. And as I begin to feel myself slipping away, I know not what. I wake up. Well, good night. <laughs> I tried. I really did. <laughs> well, good night. <laughs> oh, well, good night. Just, and apparently that like haunts Mulder because when he gets woken up the next morning, he has not slept well. I think it's also just how happy he is to tell Mulder about his desire to just be dead. Like, <laughs> I think that's what it is. It's like, I look forward to decaying into nothingness. Uh, oh, well. Let's, let's pause a moment because this is a pre-actual. There, there's not that many special effects in this in this episode. So they they have this. The, the the time lapse decomposition. What did you think of that, Marissa? You're, you're you're more familiar with this kind of stuff. I think it was awesome. I think I think it was the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen on the show. It, it wasn't hyper realistic looking. It was stylized, but it was neat. Yeah, it was uh, pretty gruesome when the skin separated near the abdomen. Yeah, I liked it. Probably one of the last times you see somebody uh, use stop motion mm. in anything. <laughs> Anyway, Scully arrives to tell Mulder about the terror reader, and they leave uh, the chain-smoking agent Chavez with Clyde. See, you guys remember when you could smoke in hotel rooms? Chavez can't resist asking Bruckman about his own death and is ultimately relieved when he finds out it won't be lung cancer. (laughs) Clyde sparks another one up for him as he goes off to the bathroom, but for a long moment he is horrified as he stares at the Zippo lighter he'd received from his neighbor. Yeah, he realizes then that she is being eaten by her dog. Eaten by the dog. Yeah. Oh. Mommy. Again, we go to the dog. Dog, what do you think? He, he doesn't he doesn't have an opinion. He's a dog. <laughs> Breakfast arrives via room service and Clyde uh completely ignores the Chavez's orders not to open the door for anyone to let the let him in. <laughs> Uh, don't open the door for anyone okay in this moment is he like just as bad as the killer because i swear to god like he is (laughs) he's like everyone well it's like he has this weird sort of i don't know i i think he's as much of a sociopath as the the killer yes i don't think he wants to cause harm but i think he feels he can't help it just like the killer yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's weird Clyde passes him a tip, but both men pause and glare at each other. Hmm. Turns out, the bellhop is our curly-haired killer. He's so excited, too. Alright, I'm gonna go to the transcript on this one. Anybody wanna read the... Who wants to read the uh, part for um, uh, the killer? Hmm. Puppet. He reads his puppet for some reason. Puppet? Okay, is that the... Where is it at? You got a link here? Uh, it's in the Discord, but it's down uh, just above... Here, hold on. I can copy it in. 
Back from commercial, the killer confronts Clyde and picks up a knife from the tray he had brought in. Was that not enough of a tip? It brought you right to me. Right to where I work. What are the chances of that happening? They're astronomical. It's beyond believability. But not impossibility. I mean, after all, here we are. It's funny how things work out sometimes, isn't it? I'll say. He sits down on the bed. The puppet takes off his hat. So there's something I've been wanting to ask you for some time now. You've seen the things I do in the past as well as in the future? They're terrible things. I know they are. So tell me, please, why have I done them? Don't you understand yet, son? Don't you get it? You do the things you do because you're a homicidal maniac. That, that does explain a lot, doesn't it? It's all starting to make sense now. The killer seems uh, oddly comforted He's okay by, with the, this. by, by the... Uh... <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's it. That makes sense. Well, time to go run amok. He just needs someone to tell him, you know. It's like, why do you do it? Because you're insane. This strangely seems to satisfy the killer. Okay. But as he, but as he turns to do the, de- the promised deed on Bruckman, Clyde stops him, saying he doesn't kill him here. No, not yet. As he questions it, uh, chain-smoking Chavez steps out of, uh, after taking the world's longest shit. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell is no. going on? Lighting another cigarette with the butt of his other cigarette. Was it monkey fucking the cigarettes? And is suddenly attacked by the killer. So we're just going to say Chavez is like the worst cop ever and deserves to die? I mean... Back in the tarot reader's place, it seems he got sloppy. Footprints and fingerprints were left behind, and he didn't even bother with eye removal. But Scully finds more lace fibers and suddenly remembers the lace doilies from the bellhop's tray at the hotel. Isn't this also where she picks up the tarot card, which is the page of cups? She does. Yeah. I think it was a guy in a belt. He looked like a bellhop in there. Yeah, which is... Those cops kind of sounded like they were upset that he didn't take the eyes up. Man, I had a bet. Uh, do we have any um, uh, information on the on the page of cups? Is that significant in any way? Uh, apart from the fact that the killer is a bellhop? Page of cups is a card used in Latin suited playing cards, which include blah, 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 blah. And it doesn't tell you right directly on there. Um, I think we already you know had what? the answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think it means a damn thing. Uh, you know, it is uh, important in the instrumental 2003 album uh, Voyager by electronic music group uh, Enigma. Thank you. Fuck. Uh, in Divinovation uses, it is often represented as the sweet nature child who loves life and family. Let me struggle at school. This child may enjoy the arts and is very spiritual. The child may be psychic. This page is power imagination as well as creativity and the version of the blessings as the situation of the opportunity, artistic, and learning of expansion. Also, it is something that you want to use uh, when you get that for your arcana uh, to merge with the uh, hydrofont so that you can actually level that up so you can have a better attack for your persona. What the fuck is happening? I mean, it will increase your Bufu and Dio, but it does bring down your resistance to ice oh, attacks. Fuck, <laughs> magic Pokemon shit. Like. It is Persona, and it is the greatest game ever made, and you will shut the hell up. Never heard of it. <laughs> oh, it's fucking weird. Oh, we'll get into that later. <laughs> I am the shadow. I am the true self. Anyway. And well, okay, 
yeah, she had seen the bellhop at the th- at the in in the uh, hotel before, and she had probably then recognized that the guy was at the lake when they fished out um, uh, the tea reader's body. Which is a prevalent thing that you find with serial killers who will come back to the scene of the crime to watch the chaos. Thank you, true crime. <laughs> no, thank you, and stay sexy, and don't get murdered. Wait, wrong podcast. Okay, uh, but Mulder and Scully book it back to the hotel. Um, uh, Scully arrives first, but just misses the uh, <laughs> catching sight of the uh, killer. Because <laughs> it's like Scully misses all the important detail. Because <laughs> she's so fucking short. <laughs> uh, so, but um, uh, she rushes up to the uh, hotel room to find Bruckman missing. And the body of Chavez and the last cigarette he smoked still burning. And she's like, all right, autopsy. <sighs> really no, she wants to do an autopsy. Pretty obvious. I, we need to do an autopsy, Mulder, now. Mulder arrives a little bit later and catches sight of the killer through uh, a porthole window in the kitchen door. <laughs> Rushing through the hotel kitchen, um, uh, Mulder gives chase. Uh, the killer actually flips the lights off as he ducks into the kitchen and Mulder is then eaten by a velociraptor no he steps in a pie he steps in a pie which does seem to be banana cream which would be better than him stepping in a pie is when he gets attacked by the velociraptor who now knows how to open the door this is the ultimate question remembering the earlier Remembering the earlier prophecy, Mulder brings up his gun and turn and whips around, but is still jumped from behind by the killer. He doesn't manage to get a wipe across the neck, as we saw earlier, though. <laughs> Mulder grapples with him for a bit. He drops his gun. Looks like the killer's got him dead to rights when Scully busts through the kitchen door and just, just shoots, shoots him. him in the gut. Just shoots him. She came through the door just like gun in hand, just <laughs> leisurely, like... too, like she was just strolling. Blam. Bad guy, blam. <laughs> no warning, no drop your weapon. Killer, Just blam. The puppet killer looks up to her and then and uh in disbelief and chagrins. Hey, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. And he dies. Maybe <laughs> maybe this is then why uh she's immortal, because like uh they changed the future. And then, we will uh, get we will get to the episode and how and like infuriating it is. We have got a couple of seasons. Maybe maybe by him explaining Mulder's death, it then you know muddied his vision of the future. No, the agents come back to Clyde's <sighs> apartment to find a Pomeranian outside the door and a note for Scully. Miss Scully, it's like addressed to Miss Scully, in which Scully then reads it. My neighbor Mrs. Lowe passed away last night. Please see that her remains of her remains are taken care of. Would you like a dog? He's paper trained and well behaved, regardless of his actions last night, which you really can't blame him for. I'm going to go to the dog one more time. Dog? I like the fact that he writes the letter like he speaks. <laughs> and I think this is one of the like strong points of Darren Morgan is he has a tendency to do that. Like that's just kind of like his cadence even, in general. Even Scully reads it when and that cadence too. That's great. And I think it's just again, Julian Anderson likes to be funny because she never gets to be funny. I th- like that's like the moment that like we loved American Gods it was like you and I cracked up when she was doing Lucille Ball. 
And it's like the line which is like, hey, you want to see Lucille's titties? I'm like, oh my God. I've been waiting for that line to be, I I was waiting to see that line read on screen. And it was was just, it was so funny. 10 years. And it's like, you want to see Lucy's titties? Like, yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) Entering the apartment, they find Clyde lying in bed with a plastic bag on his head and an empty pill bottle in his dead hand. Scully sits on the bed and clutches his hand, looking down with compassion and sadness at his tear-streaked face. Later, back in Scully's apartment at night, watching the end of a Laurel and Hardy film with the dog rechristened Queequeg. We'll get to it. It's in War of the Cockafages. A commercial for the stupendous Yappies 900 number. Do you want to know the future? Do you want to know what lies ahead? Then call me the stupendous Yappy. For years, I have entertained audiences with my psychic abilities. I have been consulted by Hollywood stars, police departments, even presidents. Now I can be your personal psychic consultant. Do you want to know if you will get that promotion? Do you want to know if your marriage will succeed? Do you want to know where you will meet your one true love? Then call me at 1-900-555-YAP. Remember, the future is close at hand. So is your phone. So here tomorrow's secrets today. Pick it up. I know you will. I can see your future. Scully watches the commercial. She slowly reaches for the cordless phone beside her on the couch. Lifts it up and hucks it right at the TV. Screen goes black. I think we've all been there as well. Um, especially <laughs> at four when doing in the morning. Break your phone instead of the TV. Oh my God! You're yes. Those were the days, boys and girls. Also, is that the increasingly like lar- growing like cordless phone that Scully has that I swear to God gets bigger every time she picks it up? Like, <laughs> or is she getting smaller? Or is like, or is Jillian Anderson shrinking? I don't know. I have to s- black. Dun dun dun. Dun 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 dun. Uh, okay, so the episode's over. The episode's <laughs> over. Good episode. Great acting from Boyle. Great dialogue between Mulder and Scully. I always love those in the Darren Morgan episodes. Uh, again, this won a couple of Emmys. Including for Peter Boyle. Um, uh, yeah, Peter Boyle won an Emmy for this role. The guy pulls off really funny, but really sad at the same time, which is kind of a hard thing to do. Uh, he and Bob Newhart, actually, at this time of time and space, were doing that. Because Bob Newhart also uh, was doing morose, uh, sad, comedy, happy it was kind of uh, on it, ER. He it, was. It, it was kind of like a like a, a world weariness to him. I like. Um, yeah. And and you, it, your heart goes out to the guy. Honestly, mine doesn't. But I'm also heartless and evil. So. Which guy? Uh, Clyde Brockman. You see, Not... your heart goes out to the murderer too. Oh, um, yeah. In a way, but, but only to the point where you know he's helpless. <laughs> but you know, like not to the point where like he is. Todd can empathize with serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> They're on to me. God, am I saying that out loud? I speak. <laughs> can they hear me? Yes, we can. Shit. <laughs> Abandoned ship. Clyde is uh, a really great character, and uh, I like the angle they took with the psychic ability. I kind of dug the sort of if you knew this if you if you knew who however when you were gonna meet was gonna die, wouldn't that fucking suck? Yeah. Forever and ever and yeah, no, it would be bad. 
Who else we got to talk about? The stupendous Yappy. We'll be seeing him again. Oh my God, yes. And at least one more episode of the X-Files. And I think he shows up in, what, Millennium? He shows up in Millennium. Uh, the stupendous Yappy shows up in Millennium. Uh, I don't know if we can find it somewhere. I Because I think he's also a special feature somewhere. I, I like the stupendous Yappy. I'm sad that we don't see more of him. Also, he's dead now. Yeah, the stupendous Yappy is one of those great sort of weird things. I mean, what we're at right now uh, with the X-Files is season three is probably one of the better ones. Um, let's talk about the casting of Peter Boyle, because I think that didn't Chris Carter kind of resist bringing in? like uh, a, Yeah, yeah, like he, he has some weird shit about this, which is odd because um, he, he has this weird sort of resistance to doing these things. And yet also he wrote the character of Dwayne Barry for Steel, Steve Railsback intentionally to have Steve Railsback, Railsback on on the show. So. Uh, and initially, I think uh, that character was originally written for Bob Newhart, but Peter Boyle. Well, it, it was, you know, you knocked out of the park with this one, obviously. Well, yes. Um, divination, was it accurate? Was 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 the depictions of the different types of divination we see, we see here accurate? Accurate what? I, I don't know. It's like, I've never actually had a... So I'm wondering, has anyone here gone to a psychic? Have they had their palms read or... or or have they done Terra or they or they had a Terra consultant in the house right now? Like this was sort of an interesting spin on the whole psychic craze that was going on in the eighties. Uh yeah, I think it especially like again, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I mean, like uh you saw like daytime talk shows. You saw a lot of them on the daytime talk shows. Like I said, like Sylvia Brown was like on Montel regularly, like frequently, and John Edwards had the show and I don't know really what was going on with this like wave of spiritualism that we we're like and now we're done so take from that as you will seems to have really kind of faded nowadays oh no now you can just buy apps for it so hang on a second let me check you got an app for that hold on okay google predict my future it won't it shall not in the future i see us playing a few games you can play some mad libs i can try to make you laugh or you can spin the wheel what are you thinking Spin the wheel. <laughs> Take the deal. Spin the wheel. All right. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Okay. Uh, before we get to our final thoughts, anybody else got final thoughts on Clyde Bruckman? Um, amazing. Absolutely favorite episode. I can't really say anything bad about it. Eh, I could. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> you well, want me? <laughs> I, I I definitely got goosebumps more than once as he's like talking about how people are gonna die and like his delivery is just like we were saying it's it's spot on like he no it's he it's one, it. yeah it's one of the better things like Peter Boyle is pretty good and this is not like a special effects heavy episode it's not like a high concept episode it's very it really leans in on the character honestly I think the best um effect was the hand beneath the car wheel. Just, just the look of it. Just the eye. Oh yeah, yeah. And you can even <laughs> see like the wedding ring on it, right? I'm not well, smiling. Man. I'm cringing. Uh, I'm wincing. <laughs> oh. And now, products and services. This podcast is brought to you by Old Bastard Whiskey.
the top whiskey enjoyed by old bastards nationwide. I'm talking about the kind of man that won't cop to being a racist, but will take every chance he gets to beat up a Mexican or just proudly display a Confederate flag. That's an old bastard. Old Bastard Whiskey. Ask for it by name. I'll place my knapsack on my back, my rifle on my shoulder. I'll march away to the firing line. Kill that Yankee soldier. I'll kill that Yankee soldier. I'll march away. Now, uh, <laughs> as we're going on, let's, uh, uh, before we give our final uh, vo- our final scores for Clyde Bruckman's final repose, uh, I would like to uh, disseminate some information about uh, the lunatics on this pod and their various um, uh, and sundry mm, pursuits and um, uh, other things. We've got my wife and Shannon, and who is the author of the Department of the Arcane series and soon coming, a great sci-fi project she's working on, one that she's working on by herself and one she's working on with someone else. I wonder who... I'm sorry, I fell asleep. You wanted me to do what? Tell them about the books. Oh, uh, you can go to schuffwrites.com where you can find all of my stuff, some bloggings that I occasionally write, or you can also try to find me on the Amazon at schuff. That's me. It's what I write. Also, uh, your Twitter handle? Oh, you can also follow me on all the social medias at schuffwrites on the Instagrams and the Twitters. Until they (laughs) ban me. Unblock me, you coward. Yeah, who you are. All right. And uh, also, I want to point your direction towards, um, uh, point your attention towards Directions. Marissa. Towards Marissa, who uh, is an artist of sorts and does commissions. Tell them about it, Marissa. I, I actually have something sensible to say this time. <gasps> uh, <laughs> you, you can find me uh, on Facebook at uh, O-D-D-E-L-I-G-H-T-A-R-T. <laughs> But I'm doing a sale on um, drawing commissions or graphic art, whatever you want. $10, flat rate. If you get three things, it's 25 And it's until the uh, end of the Ides of March, 15th. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to have her do do drawings of my care, of my Swoder characters. I she, I'm not just, and I'm not just a, a, a spokesman for this. I'm also a client. She drew a picture of me as a pickle that is still my Discord avatar. <laughs> Very I love envious. that picture. <laughs> That's twenty bucks I almost spent. <laughs> okay, and um, uh, I charged twenty bucks for that. <laughs> uh, it is what out. I told him to give you, I believe. No, I. It's like you asked for ten. I told I. I had Shannon send you twenty. <laughs> I could make you something else. Just <laughs> a little pickle. Okay, so uh, here. So also. Uh, we are. We have Valentine Strand with us, who is the head of the Medicinal Mass Podcast Network that has many, many other audio goodies. Yeah, and uh, if you want to check out some of my audio books I've been narrating, uh, click on the links below. If you want to learn how to make stewed cookbook recipes or uh, how to up yourself from persecution from non-Christians in uh, No Cross, No Crown, it's the most recent one. Or the tantric sex book. I mean, they're all good. <laughs> they're all mostly readable. What about the second one? <laughs> the, the saving yourself from persecution from non-Christians. <laughs> that one is for people who are um, getting a lot of hate from people who 
are not Christians, and it's it's uh, oh, pretty yeah. brutal, actually. <laughs> it's, it's written by some guy in Uganda or something. <laughs> it's, oh, <no. laughs> it's an interesting read. <laughs> see. And you read that out loud. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> Let's not get him in trouble with his uh, yeah. with the people paying him to do audiobooks. No, you okay. got to do what you got to do, man. <laughs> we all start somewhere. All right. Uh, he's got he's got fifteen more. I was thinking about reading them. Wow. <laughs> also, also, like, check out my SoundCloud where I'm going to be dropping some fat beats and rhymes. Hey, I have a SoundCloud. She does have a SoundCloud where she does drop some fat beats. I'm not I dropping that fucking link. I don't have any side projects yet, except for something I don't want to talk about just yet because it's still being cooked up. Todd will be out on the corner of the street yelling at clouds while my dog poops. There, you happy now? <laughs> uh, come by the corner of the street and... Did you just dox yourself? <laughs> he did just dox himself. <laughs> Can you maybe not... Uh... Well, subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> subscribe to the Patreon where my husband will dox us all. Okay. Oh my God. Let's give our final reviews for Clyde Bruckman's oh. final repose. I give um, uh, five out of five crystal balls. Shannon? I give this four and a half creepy ass doll heads. Marissa? Uh. I give it 10 out of 10 fat little white Nazi st stormtroopers. <laughs> and Valentine. Uh, yeah, this one's definitely a 5 out of 5 decaying corpse bodies. Corpse okay. I feel like that's redundant, bro. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I thought that the second I said it. I was like, nah, no one else heard it. Okay, so what are we doing next time? So join us next time when we go back to one of the favorite tropes of Chris Carter. Say, you remember how much you like revenge from beyond the grave? Do I? Were you asking? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> like, do I? Well, anyway. Uh... Uh, join us next time uh, for uh, Bokum Harim and Ken Foray in the list. Um, yeah. No, for now, those actors. <laughs> those are some great actors, and it's a not great episode. <laughs> well, folks, uh, we're fresh out of show. Uh, we do You can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Google Play, all manner of podcatcher catchers you can find. I think we might be making inroads into SoundCloud now. Maybe uh, we are on some Edison wax cylinders. <laughs> we're on cassette tape if you want to we're also on cassette tape a track and oh. uh I, you can find our early shows i'm the one singing mary had a little lamb okay uh we're going to be it, it, so uh i don't think we've got any cons coming up no in the, in the immediate future. no okay. no <laughs> Uh, you can also check us out at medicinalmass.com or you can also check out our Patreon and donate to us there or, you know, share us any way you can with anyone you can. Shout it, evangelize for us. Like a flasher in the mall. Just show it to anyone. Anyone who will listen. Unsolicited FBI basement picks. For Shannon, Valentine, and Marissa, I'm Todd saying goodnight and the truth. Is out there. Quote. Quote. Quote.
Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more from our other shows on the Medicinal Mass Network. Except it was in his pants. <laughs> the end. Okay, is that good for you? That document is still read only. <laughs> I don't know how to I work with files. such professionals. Uh, <laughs> Tassiography. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs>